I'm your host, Spencer Matthews, here with co-hosts Ryan Riley and Dave Huffman. We're excited you're here with us today as we share a story and experience of success in lacrosse and share the concept of no bad teams, only bad leaders. You are listening to the Fifth Hammer Growth Podcast, where we help you find harmony and imperfection as you journey towards success in life and in business. When we were building our culture and building our, uh, our, our company, we, we talked a lot about culture and our core values and what we wanted to try to, um, how do we, and, and Spencer, you, you, you did a great job of this. We didn't build our core values until like a year, a year and a half yeah. as the company was. Yeah. We were operating for almost like a year and a half or two years before we actually documented our core values. Right. And we, and so it was based on what we were already living and that's what core values really are. That's what culture really is. It's, it's not what you write on the wall. It's not what you put in a handbook. It's how you live and how you operate within your company. I think what, what we did, what we tried to do is just document what we were already doing. Right. And I in think, a way that could be scaled, right. And modeled and repeated. And I think that was the success of our core values in our company is because we didn't try to force anything. Hmm. We, like you said, we documented what we were living. Well, one of those core values that we identified was extreme ownership, right? Yeah. It was the entire book was our core values. And, um, anybody, if anybody wants to read that book, I mean, everybody should read it. I think every teenager should read that book. I think every parent should read that book. That's a book that has to be on your reading list at least once a year. Um, but there's a chapter in there that talks about there are no bad teens, just bad leaders. Mm -hmm. And the story behind that is phenomenal because they go into hell week with Navy SEALs and there's this one team that was always behind. They were always lagging. And there was this other team that was like always winning. And they tell the story. It's so great. And as they were watching this, they, de they decided to make one shift, one move, right? They took the leader of the team that sucked and they put them with the leader of the team that was winning. And they swapped those two leaders. And then all of a sudden, something beautiful freaking happened. That team that was always behind said, oh, we got a leader that's amazing now. And all of a sudden they were competing for first. And that team that had that already knew how to win, they were continuing to drive. And so those teams want, became one and two throughout the rest of Hell Week. And it's interesting because I always thought what a great concept that is to, 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 theorize, to theorize on, right? It, it makes sense in the book and it, and it highlights their, it highlights the, the, the concept that there are no bad teams, just bad leaders. So what's interesting is I had a personal experience of that in my, in my life. Um, I've always been involved with, uh, with lacrosse. My kids, uh, three of my four boys have played lacrosse. Um, so I've, I've coached, um, I coached Dallin, my, who, who's a junior in high school since he was in like third grade. And, um, He's played all the way up through. He's he's playing lacrosse for Centennial High School. Um, last year, the team they had, and we had a coach that was 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 coaching, and he was a great lacrosse player. This coach knew the game like nobody else. 
I mean, he was a player. He played in college, um, but he was a young, young professional. Uh, and, and I don't know that he had the leadership skills to lead that team to where we wanted as parents and as a board and everything them to go. And so last year they, they had a losing season. Um, there were only two seniors on that team. So two seniors graduated. We, we literally had the same exact team for this year. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a disaster season. It was, it was not a single. Yeah, yeah, Braden, you're abs- absolutely right. I think we only won like two games. It was it over? Oh, two. You know, and and those were games that were, um, that I think the other team didn't have their starting players show up. I mean, it was it was really bad. And for the for a long time, we those were the seasons just completely disappointed. The season before that, we were skunked, right? So it was oh. there was no progression going on and we didn't see any progression let's make sure we send him this clip too by the way oh, i know I, I i feel bad saying this because <laughs> i because it's it's <laughs> if he ever saw it, he knows the coach knows who this is about uh-huh. right because i actually gave him gave him the book extreme ownership um it's interesting at the end of the season as a board we came together and said we need to make a choice and and we need to make a change well coaches lacrosse coaches in this valley they're not you, it, there's not a lot of them I mean, there's really yeah. not. And most yeah. of them are going to be young players that are coming out of college that want to, and, and that's not what we want. We want to stay in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as a board, we decided that we need to make a, a move. So I sat down with the coach and we talked through it. And it was actually really good because he was kind of feeling some of that. And his wife was just getting ready to have a baby. And so we left it mutual. Things are great. You'll go your way. We'll go our way. We appreciate everything you gave us. But now we don't have a coach. Um Come fall, my good friend, Jason Anderson, and I decided, you know what? Because we don't have a coach, we're going to step in and coach. And, and we're going we're gonna to do this until the board finds a coach. Because there's challenges, right? You don't want parents being coaches because there's favoritism. There's all kinds of crazy drama that goes around with that. And we totally acknowledge that. Um, but we felt comfortable. In, and not only that, I coached probably five of these kids from the very beginning time they ever picked up a stick because this is Dallin's I coached them and Jason coached the other half of the team from the beginning of them ever playing and so we knew these boys we love these kids right um fall was great we had uh we we went we had a winning season I think we went seven and three in fall which was amazing um coming back we started getting into spring ball and uh this amazing team went undefeated in their division. Yeah. I mean, the same kids that we had last year, except for two seniors, yeah. went That's undefeated cool. in their division. Last night, we were in semifinals. We beat in semifinals 15-4 to four was the final score in semifinals. They had all-star elections come out, like the, the division and league, like all-state, first team, second team, 10 players. On that team became all I'm getting chills for and I'm tears, man. Ten players were all state, first team, second team. Only two, we had two that were second team. The rest were all state and first team. Yeah. Ten. Last year, we didn't have any. I love it. It's the concept of, I mean, it's a, it's it's a huge success story. But it is, it emphasizes the fact that there are no bad teams out there, only bad leaders. And how do you 
Um, and, 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 and it's difficult because how do you know you're going to be a good leader or not? And when do you identify that you are that good leader or are you that leader that needs to be, you know, step, to, step aside so that other leaders can come in? As you're leading an organization, as you're looking at your team, it's, it, man, what a challenge that is. I don't think you ever, I think the moment you call yourself a good leader, you're not a good leader. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you can, you believe that you can lead people and your passion for that and your, your belief that you can do that is what makes you a good leader because you're constantly refining and becoming a better, it's, a, it's the law of the lid, you know, and a, a whole book could be written about this. I was in the first time I, I recognized this was in high school. There was a team in our league that went like one in 20 or one in 22 or something like that. And I was always blown away because the, there were some talented guys on that team. They had a coach who was terrible. The next year, they got a they got a even a decent coach. They went like twenty and one and went to the regional, the regional tournament. Wow. And then I think this is why I love Ted Lasso so much. Is it's it's this personified. Yeah. If you can work with people and you can communicate and you you have the humility to understand that you're not always you're not you're not a great leader. You know, it's kind of like somebody told me one time. If you ever meet a guy that says he's good at golf, he's probably an asshole because <laughs> nobody's nobody says they're good at golf. It's just some, it's something that you're working on for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I, I love when you were going through your season. I, I remember seeing it like hearing about the record in the fall and thinking, oh, my God, this is this is a this is a story. This is exactly what we talked about at micro. This yeah. is exactly the story in the book. Now, in sports, I think there can be bad teams. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, not like it's not like holding a, a, a boat over your head. It's like way more complex than that, which makes it even more impressive, I think. Well, I think it presents an interesting dichotomy because I totally believe in that principle of like no bad teams, only good leaders. But I also believe in like almost a reverse principle that if you're part of a team, like as a sports player, I, I did see like that I performed well for certain coaches and terrible for other coaches, but I didn't recognize that in the moment. That was hindsight. Mm -hmm. I think we've all had experiences, uh, especially like in youth where there's some subjects we like more and it's not actually because of the subject. It's really because of the teacher. Sure. Right. Or class is engaging, um, or a presentation at a seminar, uh, at, a, at a conference is our favorite because they were a great speaker. It may not actually have been like the content that really hit us the most. Right. And so there is that concept of like, Another one for you, like parents, if you look at parents as a leader and the family as a team, right? Like there's so many dynamics where like leadership sets the tone, but at the end of the day, if the team is taking extreme ownership, it's actually all on them, right? Yeah. So you want the team to take ownership to know, like I have the ability to choose for myself, like, and my story is my journey because of my choices and I'm responsible for that. And the, the concept of no bad teams, only bad leaders allows people to throw a rock at a leader anytime they want, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so it's a, it's a dichotomy, right? Where I see both as truth and yeah. it, it, it's, it's interesting. I, I, think, I love the story. No, I, I think experience. there has to be a balance. And, and it was interesting because I was going over moments this year, last night, as I was, as I was thinking about the success of this team and them going into the championship game on Saturday. And I remember there's certain things that stood out and, and trying to identify, like, how do you, how do you empower your team to step up to be those players, right? 
And I remember this specifically, there was this one moment. Catcher is our goalie. He's a junior in high school. I was hoping you'd tell this. He, yeah, he is not. He's he's not our best goalie. In fact, Izzy Martin went 86% save rate. That dude is has been a wall. And I dude, I taught Izzy how to freaking hold a stick when he was in third grade. And he he seriously is one of the best goalies that I've ever seen at this level, right? Um, but catcher was in on this on on this game and and it was at a tournament. We're playing out of state teams, and there's always this stigma of playing out of state teams. These guys just come in and destroy. And and in the past, when we played this tournament with these same out of state teams, we never beat these guys. Never beat them. Yeah. And uh so in the first quarter, in the like the first five minutes of the game, we went down three zero. Instant three zero. And uh and I pulled catcher. And he and and he came off hot, like he came off saying, "What the hell? You're taking me out already?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Settle down. What are you seeing?" And he was like, "What?" I was like, "What are you seeing out there? Something you're seeing something that I'm not. What can we change? What are you seeing?" He's like, "What? You're you're not taking me out?" I'm like, "No, I want to talk to you about what's going on." And he's like, "Oh." He's like, "Okay, well, if we did this and this and this is what's happening and this is why." And I was like, "Awesome." I called timeout. I brought the defense together and we talked through what they were seeing with what catcher was seeing. And we came together as a team. They went back in and we won the game and, and catcher was so blown away that I wasn't going to yell at him. I wasn't going to take him. I wasn't going to like, I wasn't mad at him. I was just frustrated because I didn't, I wasn't seeing what they were seeing. Yeah. Something was happening on the field. And that is a critical, I think that's a critical part about building culture and, and, and being a leader is that you have to acknowledge that you don't have all the answers. You're not going to see it all. You're not going to see it all. Right. And it, it comes down to the point where you have to be able to empower your, your players to be able to see. And so from that point on, every time we, every time we come off for uh, a break or timeout or anything, I bring my team together and go, okay, what are you guys seeing? And we talk through it. Yeah. And I, I think people miss this part of extreme ownership because it's not necessarily about, Oh, it's my fault. My fault. My fault. Like, it's not about that. It's about collaborating all the way up and down the chain so people feel like they own the plan. Right. And that's what you did. That's what I love about that story is you pulled him out. You asked him what he was seeing, which some a lot of coaches will do. But then you allowed hit what he was seeing to impact the game. And the decisions made. The decisions made came from what he was seeing. So you collaborated with him in real time on the plan, they went out and executed against what he was seeing. You know what I mean? So he was able to sort of make the decision, which is always going to fire up a team more than the coach telling them what to do. Yeah. It's like, that's why truth experienced is more impactful than truth told. That's why that's so powerful. Well, yeah, you give people a voice, right? And you allow them to be part of the input yeah. that, that affects the output. And whether it's sports or it's family or it's business, it's, it's the same, Yeah, right? So- yeah, it was really, really cool. But you think about what we did as we were building Microbe, right? And as we were building our company, how many times, how many times did you hear me tell anybody, go figure it out? What do you think? Yeah. Right. And it's that idea of, and, and it was got, it got to the point where, where, where they hated me saying that, like, especially cause we had such a young, we had such a young, like age wise company right. employees, our employees were really young. Um, 
a lot of them were just out of college. Some of them were in the middle of college. Some of them were, and, and they would come with a question, Ryan, 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 Ryan. And if I sat there and answered everybody's question, I would be like, I couldn't get anything done. Yeah. So the easy response to empower them was, what do you think? And if they didn't have an answer, go figure it out and trust the fact that, and, and here's the challenge, right? Because sometimes they came back and I was like, I totally don't agree with that. That's a <laughs> dumb freaking answer right there. But you trust the fact that it's going to get them 80% there. Yeah. Right. And then you massage it a little bit. You work with them. What about this? What about this? And now they're maybe 85% or 87%. And then they go do it and it's their idea and it's their plan. Right. And I think that was the power of what we tried to do is just let these kids know on this team that we could win together. So I have a question. Um, obviously like the coaching leadership changed you and your, your friend, what leadership dynamics changed on in the team and the players? Were there any new captains or that, you know, did they, did they start acting any in, in a different manner? I'm curious if you observed or thought about that at all too, of if you saw any changes in them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the things that we really tried to do um, as coaches is we allowed our players to talk to us. Right. Mm-hmm. I think when you, I think when you get young leaders um, and there, there's situations where they believe that if, if they're not giving the answers or providing the answers um, that they don't, then they're not leading. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Then they're not really leading or if they're challenged. Um, I had, I had, my players challenged me because I'll admit those kids have been playing a lot longer than I never played in college. I never played in high school. I didn't even know lacrosse until Braden picked up a stick. And, and it's funny, he started playing lacrosse because my wife was like, you're not playing football. And so he's like, well, then I'll play lacrosse. And we're like, cool. Lacrosse is, we don't even know what lacrosse is. Even worse. <laughs> and then we went and saw the first game. And we're like, oh my hell, dude, this is freaking Braden, football with weapons. He pivoted to something more violent. <laughs> if you don't, I mean, if you don't have bruises up and down your arms, you're not playing, right? And so, so I didn't know anything about the game. Um, and some of these kids have been playing a lot more than me. And so I have to acknowledge the fact that as a leader, I'm here to curate the conversation, to, to put in the system, and to establish the way that I would like to see the game move. Um, and But at times, they come off, they're like, Dad, backer's not working. Dallin specifically, dad, backer's not working. They're getting through our, our, our zone defense. We need to switch to man. I'm like, what do you guys think? Okay, let's do it. We switch to man and we dominate instantly because I had full faith in my four horsemen, my defense, my four defensive players, who, by the way, were the only team because I'm the defensive coach. We're the only team who had all four defensive starters elected to all state first team or second team. We should get like a, we should reach out to the Idaho statesman or whatever and get a Ted modern day Ted Lasso write up about Ryan. That'd be cool. So here's the other thing that I did with this team. So we have our main four. So we have a captain for attack. We have a captain for our middies and we have a captain for our defenders. And then we have a team captain, right? So we created four captain spots, right? You see where this is going, right? Mm -hmm. And then once a week we have the fifth hammer. (laughs) And and literally it's that fifth hammer that leads us out. And, and sets the tone and the cheer. And they are, they're identified based on their effort in the previous week. Who's the fifth hammer this week? So, awesome. so I knew that story. I was hoping that that was going to be the answer to the question because think about how that changes the leadership dynamic. Right. You take the guy who probably wasn't getting a lot of recognition, 
but deserved it because yeah. he's working hard. Maybe would get the most improved player. Right. You know, yeah. or the most inspirational player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to rally around that guy. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So what, I mean, just to kind of, to, to wrap this up, just a phenomenal season. Um, amazing experience with these players that like I've known most of their life. Um, I love these kids and the success that they're having, but the key, the key here is, is the, 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 the ability to watch a principle that we loved and talked about and read about like in real life work. And I think that's where, that's where like truth told and truth experience versus truth told, right? Yeah, right. That was one of those things. I think I will always, always remember the concept of um, there's no bad team, just bad leaders. And and you're absolutely right, Spencer. You can point to leaders, but that's a bad. I mean, that's not anybody taking extreme ownership, right? Leading up and down that chain of command, all of those principles that came into play were part of this team. And and it just it was just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And I think as leaders. To be a good leader, you have to adopt that mindset. And to be a leader, you're already putting yourself out there for people to throw rocks at you. I mean, how many times did we say everything you everything you say is heard through a microphone or yeah. a megaphone and everything you say Same everything too. you do is seen through a microscope? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So yeah, man, I love that story. And I love that you went like undefeated. Because anything over two wins would have validated yeah. the hypothesis but you like really drove it home <laughs> yeah in our division we were undefeated we played other teams outside of our division we had really close games but in our division we were undefeated and undefeated through the tournament we're going to the championship game on saturday and i'm just super excited about these guys the other thing is you know some of these principles are really easy to get behind when you have extreme winds of growth blowing into the sales and what i mean is like top line growth top line revenue can hide a lot of mistakes so i've worked at companies before where it was really easy to let people go off and figure it out because the growth was going to cover up all the mistakes anyways hmm. when you take a so like in a yeah. turnaround scenario where there is no growth i think it, it, it exemplifies the, the point even more because it's not like you it's not like you're coming off of a, you know, a, a, a ton of momentum, right? And yeah. you're just trusting that the momentum is going to keep you going. Like you had to get momentum. Yeah. So that's cool, man. So you guys want to hear my fifth hammer experience this week? Yeah. Yeah. So we're cat family. We got two kitties this, uh, this week on Monday. Cats typically have four fingers. Our cats have five. Oh, shut up. What? Our cats have thumbs. Wait, hold they on a minute. They have fifth hammers. Your cats have fingers? Well, yeah. Pause. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's so creepy. Your cats have thumbs? Yeah, they have fifth hammers. We got fifth hammer cats. Seriously, two of them. <laughs> what kind of cats are they? I don't know. Normal cats. I go over to your house and it's got like They're a human head. Cats. <laughs> it's, it's I'll bring there. it in for the pod. It's sitting there drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You got? Did you get Cheshire cats from uh, Alice in Wonderland? You got mutant cats. My life, man. That's does your life. cat? Does your cat sit on like a, a beanbag and smoke out of a hookah, <laughs> like like the cat from Alice in Wonderland? Well, that's what we're training it to do. That's yeah. freaking rad. Oh. 